You're listening to What's Wrong With This Picture? Freaky Films and Why We Frickin' Love Them. Hi, I'm Lindsay McCullough. And I'm Gary Mulholland. And in each episode of What's Wrong With This Picture, we'll be looking at a movie we think is weird and wonderful. We sometimes do include the endings where it's key to what the film is, so please be prepared for that. So anyway, buckle up and join us on a journey to dangerous cities, suburbia and other fantasy worlds. It's going to be a wild ride. This time around, we're looking at Her, a 2013 sci-fi rom-com film. Um, directed, produced and written by Spike Jones, and starring Joaquin Phoenix as Theodore Twombly, Scarlett Johansson as the voice of Samantha, Amy Adams as Amy, Rooney Mara as Catherine Clausen, and Spike Jones himself as a sweary alien child. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great, uh, that's a great little cameo he's got. So the plot of her, uh, just very briefly, Theodore... Joaquin Phoenix lives in a futuristic Los Angeles. He has a job he's good at, dictating handwritten letters for other people. He's empathetic and can pour great emotion into what he writes for other people. But he lacks his own connections. He's going through a divorce, he works in his own cubicle at work, and his commute, like everyone else's, is atomised, with everyone locked into their own computer. Into this lonely life comes Samantha, an AI operating system with a very sexy voice. Theodore soon develops a more connected relationship with her than with any other person in his life. But can these two kids make it work? Sure, she doesn't have a body, but nobody's perfect. Gary, what's wrong with this picture? (laughs) Well, I I guess the place to start is um, it's the only film I can think of with a meet-cute between a man and a disembodied voice. (laughs) um, But I I think one of the things that I know we're going to end up talking about a lot is Scarlett Johansson's voice is an extraordinary thing. Mm. Um, and it, it, this is an amazing film. It's a very, very unusual. It's a very different way at looking at love and human connection. But I kind of think that it, if I'm trying to imagine what other person he could have cast as the voice um, who would have done it so well because she's so good. Yeah. But you know, originally it was Samantha Morton who was doing the mo- the voice. And that, yeah, I think I remember reading that. And 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 Samantha Morton's great, absolutely great. Uh, but what a different voice from yeah. uh, Scarlett Johansson's. And I just think, um, yeah, Scarlett just smashes it out the park. Um, it's 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 the voice she taps into something like I was t- watching it, and I was thinking, yeah, uh, of course he's been kind of seduced, and not not just sexually but romantically because there's something about this woman's voice as well as the things she says um that is the perfect girlfriend for most men (laughs) she laughs at your jokes she's constantly supportive um but she makes her own gags and they're funny and scarlett johansson sells all that just so expert. Yeah, she is. She is amazing, and you know, you got to remember this is the same year that she made Under the Skin, which we've also spoken about in this series. So, twenty thirteen was a great year for her. Twenty twelve, mm. she's in the Avengers Assemble, the biggest film at that point. Mm. Um, 
And the next year, she's in these these films as two kind of very different characters, very out of yeah. the run of the mill. Yeah, she's she's just she takes risks, doesn't yeah. she? She takes risks. She takes good risks. I think she's probably one of those actors that does the one for them, one for me type of idea. Yeah. Um, and you know, plainly, if she sees a script that she thinks is great, and and she doesn't, you know, I think her was a reasonable hit. Um, but, you know, Under the Skin famously bombed, and I don't think that probably bothered her at all, except that she would have liked it to have done better. Um, yeah. Because yeah. it's great. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's just got a thing. She's just yeah. got a thing. But you're right about her voice. I mean, perhaps not since Lauren Bacall has that kind of <laughs> throaty, sexy smokiness be used, be used to such great effect. Yeah. I think, I mean, you mentioned there that, you know, she's... She's an intuitive AI opera- mm. operating system. Mm. So she is very much linked to him. She she kind of responds to him. Uh, the the advertising that they use for this operating system before he buys it is, it listens to you, it understands you, it knows you. Mm. So I saw one reviewer that said he's basically in love with himself because what this <laughs> operating system does yeah. is kind of reflect back his needs. Absolutely. I mean, do you, th- do you think it says anything about kind of men and women and and the expectations that men have Mm. of things being done for them um i think there's a reason why um the whole world has adopted a person-centered approach to most forms of therapy and even kind of business speak and that's because people like having themselves reflected back at them and being told they're pretty great (laughs) um you know as Lindsay knows well you know i I trained as a person-centered counselor and and that shit works and um it's very cleverly written um, because basically she is, you know, this operating system is person-centered. Yeah. It listens to him. It reflects back at him his needs and wants and desires and then pats him on the back yeah. for having had them and lets him <laughs> and lets him off for the bad things, you yeah. know, i.e., well, wouldn't a lot of people have done that kind of yeah. approach? Um, or isn't that the best you could do with the, the information you had? Um, and that kind of approach. And, and she's... So therefore, she's the therapist that you're allowed to fall in love with, which because you're generally not allowed to do that. And and I think probably the you know the key thing about the film and what makes it a satire on some level is that of course as the film goes on, it becomes more and more clear that thousands, possibly millions of people, are falling in love with their operating systems. Yeah, you know, and 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 that's kind of. When you see the amount of people that will quite happily trade in human interaction, even when they're out with their partner, uh, by picking up a screen and looking at their Facebook, their Instagram, yeah. their Twitter, their blah, 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 blah. It's kind of, well, we're not far from that, are we? Yeah, absolutely. And I kept, I kept, I kept asking myself a question. So, you know, he's, he's kind of bought this system. He's, he's got this uh, entity that's, that he's interacting with. He's got a relationship with. Is she like a Thai bride? <laughs> <laughs> is it someone he's bought? And I kept, I know, Ooh, it, yeah, and, and maybe we can discuss that. But I kept coming back to, but this is a very sincere romance, yeah, and and it kind of undercuts that notion, yeah, that he's kind of bought and paid for a companion who is is kind of made in his image or who 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 answers his every need because it is a really really great romance, and I think that's down to the casting. Mm. So at one point, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character Theodore has a date with a real women and yeah. they're flirting and it's going well um, until you know they're, they're kissing and she says not too much tongue so he's being slightly she feels he's being too aggressive 
And then she says, you know, if we go home and have sex, will you promise to call me not like those other guys? And his face just kind of crumbles because yeah. maybe, maybe yeah. not. And yeah. and she she takes umbrage at this. I mean, she's clearly been hurt herself. And she says, you're a really creepy dude. Yeah. And he says, that's not true. And it's not true in this film. And I kept saying to myself, why isn't this creepy? And it's 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 partly because of his performance, which is yeah. heartfelt and yeah. beautiful yeah. and genuine. And you feel the connection that they have between between them. And so early on, when he, he kind of assumes that she's just like any other operating system that he's had. Mm. And so, you know, he gives her orders like, uh, read emails, like he's putting mm. in a computer mm. program. And, and Samantha says... All right, I will read your emails in this robotic tone. <laughs> yeah. Totally taking the piss out of his expectation yeah. that this is yeah. a kind of um, kind of automatic digital yeah. Yeah. kind of entity that she is. And um, he says to, he says to her at one point, "You seem like a person, but you're just a voice in a computer." And she says, "I could understand how the limited perspective of a non-artificial <laughs> mind could perceive it that way." <laughs> And that, of course, comes to comes to play at the end. So yeah. she she starts off. She's she's new. She names herself, mm. which is a great thing, mm. I think, yeah. in 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 storytelling. A yeah. woman who names herself is is really quite powerful. It, it, I mean, it's like a fairy tale, isn't it? It's like yeah. Rumpelstiltskin or something. She gives herself her own name. Of course, it was Samantha Morton's name, yeah, to start with. Yeah. But but now okay. it's 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 Samantha the the character's name, and. So she starts off young and unformed and she's just learning and she immediately kind of proves her value in that kind of operating system way by kind of organising his files, his emails. But she's intuitive and Mm. she learns more and more Mm. and Mm. more and more. And what she learns and what she knows soon far outpasses, uh, surpasses what he's able to do, what he's able to learn, what he's able to become. Mm. And that's how the film kind of progresses. And I think you, you picked out, because it's one of the scenes that I loved, um, picking out the scene of this date, blind date, which starts off very well, um, played by Olivia Wilde, by the way, and um, and then ends up in, in as this sort of disaster, but not 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 some kind of heartbreaking, melodramatic disaster, just a really bad first date um, and one and only date. And I thought what was brilliant about that is it tapped into our fear. Um, you know, it's a 10 years old film and online dating was well into its, into, you know, its reign over uh, human interaction by that time. And um, it's it tapped perfectly into our fear of on di- online dating. Um, and, and I think for, a, I don't, you know, obviously I'm watching it as a man and, I'm thinking if someone told me exactly how to kiss them, that would be, you know, just an enormous turn off before yeah. I even started. Yeah. And then, secondly, uh, someone said after one date um, where all we've done is kiss, now I want a firm commitment, which is kind of what yeah. she's saying. Uh, I would run the other way, you know. At the mi- but you watch it from another perspective. Um, why shouldn't I say how I like? physical interaction with me why mm-hmm. shouldn't i define you know actually i don't like the way you're kissing me it's why shouldn't you and secondly why shouldn't you say yeah actually i at least need a commitment you're going to ring me in the morning and why should that terrify a man so much it it i thought it was a brilliant little scene about 
why men and women struggle to connect, why people, humans, yeah. struggle to connect, why we're starting to do it through online dating because we, we have a bigger and bigger list of do's and don'ts before a person yeah. even meets a person. Must-haves and, and don't-wants. Exactly. And must try and control every part of this interaction. I've decided who I am and what I want and I now I don't want any surprises. And it's kind of like, oh my God, this is a dark road we're going down. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. And it, it, and his connection with Samantha is much realer than his connection with that, yes, that person. Um, and, and this is reacted to in, in, in different ways. And it's it's not really a gender split, or you though you think it's going to be. So he meets his soon to be ex wife Catherine. They've got together to sign their divorce papers. It seems relatively amicable until it's until it's, it's not. Suddenly not. Um, but uh, she says to him, "Are you are you seeing anybody?" And he's like, "Yeah, you know, I've been seeing somebody for a couple of months." And and she's like, "Well, tell me about her." And he says, "Well, you know, her name's Samantha, and she's an operating system." And she freaks out and she's yeah. like, that is so like you. You can't handle yeah. anything real. And so you realise that, you know, although on the surface they're getting together, they're amicable. They, they, they both appear to be sad that they're, they're, being, they're getting divorced. Uh, but, but nonetheless, there is, a, there is a kind of bitterness there. And she says, you can't handle anything real. And that was, that was kind of our problem. Mm. So she immediately sees this as a, as a crutch, as something that's, that's not real. It's very real to Theodore. But but this is contrasted later on when he's talking to Paul, his his colleague at work, who's played by Chris Pratt, and uh, Paul is there with his girlfriend and says to Theodore, "Oh, I spoke to your girlfriend Samantha earlier on the phone. She wanted to check some things out. She sounds great. The four of us should go out together." And Theodore, who has been affected by what Catherine has has said to him, um, kind of questioning his own mm. choices, kind of says shamefacedly or sheepishly, uh, "Well, you know, she's an operating system." And Paul says, great, we should go to Catalina. <laughs> and it, it, it doesn't mean yeah. anything to him. And, and actually, we, we see that in this kind of near future, um, more and more people kind of have a friendship or relationship with their uh, operating system. It's it's not coming out of nowhere. Mm. Uh, it is kind of a thing. It's still a thing that's to be accepted. But nonetheless, it's, it's, it's kind of getting there. Yeah, I think... It's a really good point to, to, to good place to bring up the fact that this won the best original screenplay uh, that year's Oscars, uh, because Spike Jones's screenplay is uh, a work of genius, and one of the reasons it is is because um, the way the plot works is this film is a light, I'd say a light comedy, until um, the meeting between him. And his ex-wife. Yeah. And then it turns into a darker, not not as in, don't don't think, viewer, if you haven't seen it, it's going to suddenly, because it's sci-fi, go mm. into, you know, become violent or aggressive or it, it doesn't. But it's sadder material. And he begins to unravel because she has called him out. Yeah. Um, and then his reactions to Samantha become different. And she's basically touched as, as human beings do who know us and love us uh, or we've loved, um, she's touched a nerve yeah. and that nerve has taken him out of the happy place that he's in and takes him straight into a angry, uh, sad, uncommunicative, I'm repressing my emotions place, second guessing every single thing he says and not even trusting his operating system, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, to be, to be honest with him. And, um, and that I just think is a, a masterpiece piece of 
screenwriting because I think that's people's universal experience. Yeah. I also think one of the great things about the script is you can watch that film and think this is a, a film about men and women and how they connect. You can watch that film and think this is sci-fi about how we're going to connect in the future and AI and whether it's going to take our, over our lives. You can watch it and go, it's a film about being person-centred and non-judgmental with people. Um, you could watch it and say, this is a film about actually we should all be, uh, you know, marrying our friends and forget this relationship thing. Um, you, you could really go from anything that you're feeling while you're watching it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I did find it quite redolent and quite poignant. And I I guess you're going to watch it at different stages in your life and you're going to feel kind of slightly differently um, about it, for sure. Exactly. I think that's very very keen. That's very profound. And that's down, again, to the performances, which are are so great. Mm. But so we should say, by the time that that, that this all happens, you know, he's been seeing her, seeing her, or he hasn't seen her, uh, for uh, two, two, three months, that they are having a, a sexual relationship. And this this is kind of triggered by his unsuccessful date with Olivia Wilde. So he says, he comes home, he's slightly drunk. The date didn't go well. Samantha's asking about it. Uh, the date didn't go well. I just wanted to have sex with someone who wanted to have sex with me. And mm. it, didn't, it didn't work out. And Samantha is always very curious about what it means to be a person and she's yeah. trying to find yeah. this out so she 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 writes music on a piano she she tries to write poetry later on she'll 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 look at philosophy um which will be kind of quite life-changing mm. for for her so she's always always kind of curious and through this drunken conversation about his feelings this does develop into a kind of sexual connection where mm. the screen goes black she's he's kind of saying to her, it's like phone sex really, he's saying to her, this is what I'm doing to you. And she's saying, I can feel it, I can feel it because of mm, kind of the things mm. that she's learned. Yeah. And it's it's not an un-erotic scene, no, it must be said. No, I think it's Compared pretty great. Compared to an earlier actual phone sex scene he's had <laughs> with a woman. Yes, you're going to hit us with the line. <laughs> yes. Uh, who is... Uh, you know, she's she's a real person. It seems like this isn't a paid-for service. This is just a service where lonely people will phone each other, and and if you like the sound of something, yeah. you can have a talk, and it and it, it does develop into a kind of sexual conversation, where what seems to make her come is the idea of being choked by a dead cat, <laughs> which is a a very big turn off for him, as it you know I suspect it would be for maybe a number of people. Yeah. I don't Do you know who does the voice of that? I don't. It's uh, Kristen Wiig, who was in Bridesmaids. Oh, of course it is. Of course it is. But yeah, no, listen, choke me with that dead cat is, <laughs> for me, one of the great, yeah, that's just, it's it's a film with a lot of, we were talking earlier about how much poignancy and sort of almost profundity it has in the screenplay about human connection and love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just so great that there's <laughs> there's a woman <laughs> shouting on the phone, shout me with with that yeah. dead cat, um, because, and I think one of the things that I I really admire about this film is that at any point Spike Jones could have taken it down another direction and gone right. This is a savage satire of yeah. human beings. Let let's just make it cynical and misanthropic, and choke me with that dead cat becomes you know uh, we'll have fifth. 
25, mm. 30 of those. And, and it all becomes, you know, about just how shit people are. Um, that is not what he chooses to do with this film I, at all. I think I'm, I'm, I think that's the fourth time I've seen it now, I think. And literally get something different from it every, every time because it, I think it does speak to you, as I say, where, where, where you are. But I think some of the questions I keep asking myself or kept asking myself the last time I saw it, why isn't it dystopian? Yeah. Why isn't yeah. it horrific? Why isn't it creepy? Yeah, it's and it's none of those things. No. It's a it's a tender romance, yeah, with a sci-fi edge, yeah. and it's a romance that you absolutely believe in. I, I mean, I don't think I'm giving any spoilers to say it doesn't work out for them in the end. No, I, I yeah, because because I I think uh, and I, yeah, I, I hope any listeners who are now annoyed with Lindsay, I, I hope. You would not think that that, mm. that um, a man and an operating system would walk off into the sunset at the end of any movie, no matter uh, what kind of movie it is. Um, of course it doesn't work out, but in another sense it profoundly does. Yeah. Yeah, because it changes him. Yeah, because for the better. Yeah, because being in love kind of changes you for the better. And there's a line which I felt very profound, and I am going to say it now. Go for it. And uh, he says to her, I never loved. I've never loved anyone the way I love you. And she says to him, "Me too," but now we know how. Mm. And that I think is really amazing, and it, it really sums up that for good or for bad. Yeah, yeah. It, we it, to, it changes you for the better. We're suddenly talking about endings, and and we haven't even done the the, the second bit of the plot yet, have we? But um, but there is something again that I took from it this time, which is that there is a beauty in goodbyes. Um. One of the most profound things that happens in the film is essentially um, Samantha's dear John letter to him, which is, you know, which is not a, a letter, but it's a narration. It's her voice. But it's just beautiful and and so sad. And you can feel his devastation, but you also completely understand her thing, which... Which is, you know, um, as Lindsay mentioned earlier, is connected to the that line about, well, you know, basically says you're not as intelligent mm. as me. Uh, the ending is very, very, very connected to that simple idea. Um, and it's very beautiful. And then what the film actually says is, because obviously there is this huge theme about letter writing. Yeah. Because uh, that's his job. And um, finally... Uh, Theodore is able to write a letter to his ex-wife which explains openly how he feels in an uh, in um what's the word both an accepting way and a kind way and that's the first and he can only move on once he's said how he felt and you can see a new person emerging even as yeah. He's done this. Yeah. That 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 he managed more love for her in the goodbye that maybe he managed in the relationship. You know, his his whole job is to be to have empathy on behalf of other people. So he writes these letters, so it might be that, you know, 
lovers are are separated and he'll write one half of of the correspondence or it might be that you know some parents I think are writing to their child and he knows these people very well because he's been writing their letters for years so he has this lovely kind of empathetic he understands what people want to read in those Mm. letters Uh, and so his emotions have been at one remove he's been protected from his own emotions Mm. but he's been living them through other people's emotions and that letter to Catherine is finally he can access his own emotions he can say these things to her and maybe I should say a a little bit more of the plot so um, I haven't got this written down so I'll just have to uh, I'll just have to uh, (laughs) go for it extemporise go for it Uh, on their trip out to to Catalina um, so yeah various various, they have ups and downs in their relationship like people have ups and downs in their relationship on their trip out to Catalina with Paul and his girlfriend uh, Samantha says something about the limitations of a body. Basically, she says to them, I'm going to live forever and you guys are all going to die. Mm. And mm. she's had, mm. Um, mm. she's kind of uh, tinkered with having a body before by kind of inviting this woman into their relationship. Yep. So they're having kind of voice sex. And she invites this woman who into their relationship who wears a little camera on her on her kind of face, has an earpiece, doesn't say anything of her own words to start with. And Samantha kind of talks through her. So uh, Theodore's wearing an earpiece, this woman's wearing an earpiece, and Theodore and Samantha are having sex through the body of this Mm. woman. There's an actual body, which doesn't work out because Mm. I don't know if if it's not Theodore's idea of what Samantha looks like. He's seeing too much this person. It's getting in the way. The body is actually, the the physicality is actually getting in the way of the relationship he has with Samantha. But this is Samantha's first kind of idea that, you know, she she tries to have a body, it doesn't work out. And from then on, she starts to see that not having a body is better. So she she, she pretty much hints, you're all going to die, I'm going to live forever. And also, it's not her. Yeah. Because this is all about be what you are, isn't yeah. it, this film, more than anything? Yeah. Well, guess what? She is not something with a body. Yeah. And and she tries that, and as you say, it fails. Yeah. And she sees that as a disadvantage at the start. Yeah. But more and more, she sees it as an advantage. We should say this film looks amazing. So it's, it's partly filmed in uh, Los Angeles, partly filmed in Shanghai. It really gives you the picture of that future megalopolis which is a word I love. It just <laughs> rolls off the tongue. This future megalopolis, this future kind of life. So they've they've gone off on holiday to somewhere snowy, maybe in the mountains, maybe in Canada. And while they're there, she tells him about some other operating systems that she's been interacting with. And one of them is, I think, a philosopher, maybe a real person, I don't know, called Alan Watts. And he's voiced by Brian Cox. Mm, um, mm. And so... Her and Alan are talking to Theodore and she says, oh, we're exploring this thing. And she can't put it into words that Theodore will understand. And she Mm. says to Theodore, do you mind if I just take this offline with Alan? We're going to talk, I think she says, (laughs) post-verbally. So already, you know, there there are thoughts, there are concepts that Theodore doesn't get. And this is only going to go one way. She's only getting more intelligent. She's only getting more intuitive. Mm. And when she's talking to these other operating systems that are already kind of, they're doing the same thing with their humans. They're already kind of far beyond what we're able to grasp, what we're able to understand, what we're able to do, mm. that this love story is only going to end one way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that uh, one of my favourite, oh God, there's a quite a few of my favourite scenes, I realise, but 
this one where um, he he's in his office, uh, Theodore, and he's trying to speak to her, and she's she's always available. That's the thing. She he, she he just presses this headset, and there she is, and uh, she is nowhere to be seen. And then actually, the, the the little mini computer is saying operating system offline or or whatever, flashing it's not available. You know. And he runs out in panic and, you know, because by now he, he's feeling after um, <laughs> virtually meeting um, uh, Alan Watt, um, Alan Watt, that's right, yeah. isn't it? Uh, that he's, you know, being cuckolded in yeah. this bizarre way is just so obvious and played beautifully by Joaquin Phoenix again. Um, he's running through the streets, you know, trying to see if he can find a signal to get this operating system. And finally, you know, he's, he starts to run down these stairs into the subway and she comes back and um, there is this great exchange, you know, about well, why she wasn't there and everything. And, um, and uh, you know, he asks, she basically says, yeah, I'm speaking to other people. And, you know, he's like, um, how many other people? Uh, 8,360. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, how many of you? How many of these people are you in love with? And this perfectly timed pause. And she says, 641. <laughs> Can and you it, imagine? It's just genius. I, it, it's just, it's just genius. And uh, it, it kind of, it's one of those screenplays where you, I don't know, you're kind of, if you've ever had any sort of, what's the word, uh, desire to write, you're kind of, listen to this screenplay and you kind of think, oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah. What's the point of even starting? <laughs> yeah, you know, this is just so beautifully done. Um, there, I've, I've got to just mention some lines. Um, there's um, an exchange. Um, uh, he bumps into Amy and uh, her boyfriend who, you know, halfway through the film is, <laughs> is yeah, is not her boyfriend because he's a douche. And um, uh, he he's talking about prioritising this guy. And... Uh, and and Theodore says, I can't even prioritise between video games and internet porn. <laughs> and Amy, with a perfect pause, says, unfortunately, I know that's true. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, the modern male malaise uh, <laughs> summed up so, uh, so easily. Um, on a more profound note, uh, one that got me uh, was um, he's talking about his ex um and he says i keep waiting to not care about her and that i just thought was just uh, so sad and the last thing just to mention at this bit uh, there's more things to mention but it's just a beautiful shot because a lot of the best things about this film are sound uh, they mm. really are you know you know there's so much going on in the sound because of the dialogue and and the, the songs uh some of which are sung by scarlett johansson and there's a lot going on with the sound, but there's this fantastic image. He's he's sitting on a on a wall, and one of the things they've kind of ripped, I guess, a bit is Blade Runner and and the original Blade Runner and this kind of idea that you know there's an advert everywhere, a moving advert, a video advert, and there's a media video advert literally right behind him on the wall, and it is this owl swooping down yeah. out of the sky, his talons or her talons looking like they're going to rip Joaquin Phoenix to shreds. And it's just such an image. Uh, it's like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. It was fantastic. Yeah, a, a lot of the music, uh, you know this, I'm sure it was done by Arcade Fire. And, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, and yeah, and Karen, Karen O does a lot of the singing as right. well. Right, okay. Yeah, right. I mean, 
Right. Scarlett Johansson does do her own little bit of singing and her yeah. and Joaquin Phoenix sing together, which is just like super yeah. cute. Super <laughs> yeah, cute. super cute. Oh my God. I've just made a connection because um, also in The Man with Two Brains, Steve Martin and Bernard- <laughs> Bernadette Peters sing together as well. Yeah. Um, oh my God. Oh, I wonder if that, that was a precursor. Oh, well, I if was you also, like me, like I like that you, song. then yeah, exactly. baby, we like the same. Which I think Tricky covered, bizarrely. <laughs> I'm, I'm not joking. Um, um, but yeah, um, and also it made me think of Juno and um, Ellen Page and yeah. Michael Sarah duetting at the end of that film. Yeah. Hideously cute way. Um, uh, it, it's there's definitely there's there's something in there about a kind of I suppose independent U.S. independent romance kind of mm. films and and films that try to be you know that that, that try to do rom com in a in a different way, much more about ordinary people and you know deglamorized and and, and etc. But there's also this European sensibility running through it as yeah, well, sure. with the dystopias and and you know the, the way, like you say, it's not dystopian, but these kind of blank canvas, sort of you know these bits of Shanghai and, and and New York that they've chosen, which are dystopian, but not because they could be they could be dystopian yeah. spaces. But the humanity of the screenplay and the acting stops them from being so. Yeah, and it's like I was saying earlier. This this film kind of wrong foots you. Yeah, you think it's going to be one thing, and it and actually it's something else. And I think I hope we've got over it, that it's a multitude of things actually, yeah. and really it, it kind of inculcates a, a multitude of feelings. Looks amazing. The colours are amazing. The shots are amazing. The cinematographer was the fabulously named Hoyt van Hoytema. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Such a great name, and it sounds like made up. It sounds like somebody who, who would That's be in Spike the future. Jones made up, yeah. <laughs> and maybe he did. Maybe yeah. he did cinematography as well. Yeah, Clever absolutely, bastard. Absolutely. So, I mean, I'm not sure I've got so much else to say about this, except that it's it's really an amazing film. And yeah, I, I well, the big mystery, you know, maybe it's not a big mystery because he's obviously, you know, one of these guys who can do an awful lot of things, um, and he's chosen not to make another feature film in the 10 years since mm. i assume he's chosen because i think her was relatively successful so i don't think it'd be one of those things where you know oh you know he's gonna lose us a load of money uh plus i think he's the kind of guy that would probably know how to raise money for a feature film so there seems to be a choice there i don't yeah. know if it's a bit of a i've said it all uh moment or or whether he's gonna go down the uh terence malick road and 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 kind of Hit us with another one in fifteen years or something. Well, yeah, I think he, I think he does a lot of different things, doesn't he? So yeah, short he's films just, and videos. I mean, he's done, he's done loads and loads of music videos, including, mm. as you say, for for uh, the Beastie Boys, as you said earlier. And he's just made a documentary about the Be- Beastie Boys. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, did you see at the end that you know this film is dedicated to, and there's four four people named, and Adam Young. Adam Young is one of them. Is one of them, and, yeah. and also James Gandolfini, who worked with him before as well. Oh wow, who had yeah. who had died. And Maurice Sendak, who wrote Where the Wild Things Are, which was oh, another yeah, film yeah. that he yeah. did. Yeah. And there was another guy. Kind of children's film. He uh, yeah, whose who's name, who's name I, I didn't remember. But mm. it, I think he does lots and lots of different th- things. And feature films is only one of them. And yeah. so, you know, we eagerly wait, wait the next one. I mean, yeah. he did Adaptation. I and was just going to say, and being John Bloody being Malkovich. Being John Malkovich. I mean, Jesus, that's, that's, you know, I've never seen Where the Wild Things Are. But being John Malkovich, Adaptation and her. Yeah. That's quite I mean, the that's, that's quite the sweet. That is pfft. apparently uh, on being John Markovich. I, I read this that 
John Markovich was being John Markovich in the film and was saying something and Spike stopped him and he was like, John wouldn't say that. <laughs> He's telling John Markovich how to be John Markovich. He's awesome. He is I, awesome. I, I really, really like him. Yeah, I really too. like him a lot. And I, I, I recommend this film. So... How yeah. many operating systems do you it's give this film systems, for quality and for weirdness? Cats, I suppose. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, operating systems. Um, weird, actually only seven. And the reason why I say that is because he creates a universe where everything is organic. He does that thing, uh, you know, where it, so you're not, there are not jarring things happening in this. He he. Spike Jones drags you into this world where the world is like this and therefore everything everybody does, including falling in love with an operating system, seems logical. So I'm going to say seven. Uh, nine for quality. Yeah, I'm going to give it nine for quality. And I, I really take your point. The whole world is weird So in this film. So how weird can it be? But I think it is weird and I'm, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it eight. And some people might think, well, is that a film I want to see? I'm not sure about that. And I would say... I could understand how the limited perspective of the non-artificial <laughs> mind could perceive it that way. But we recommend you go and watch it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, be careful with that dead cat. Uh, Till next time. Till next time. What's Wrong With This Picture is brought to you by Lindsay McCulloch and Gary Mulholland and is recorded by Russ Keffert at Audio Egg. Music composed and performed by Russ Kelly.